Hello and welcome to Fitter and Faster. My name is Emma-Kate Libberry, your host and managing editor here at Triathlete Magazine. Each month on Fitter and Faster, we dive into one triathlon training topic in depth, giving you everything you need to know. This month, we're talking all things bike fitting, and we have expert bike fitter Ivan O'Gorman sharing his experience and insights with us. Now, Ivan regularly works with cyclists and triathletes of all levels, as well as world tour professionals and Olympians. And he doesn't just talk the talk. Ivan is a seven-time Kona finisher and two-time Leadville mountain bike finisher, so he knows how to apply his expertise in the field. Our chat here was fun and fast-paced for sure, and it was really interesting to hear Ivan talk about what to look for in a good bike fit, why it is so important for triathletes, and how he considers it more of an ongoing process than just a one-and-done job. He also chats through the common mistakes he sees triathletes making, as well as the best bikes for triathletes when it comes to getting the best fit. There is plenty in this show, for sure, and it is a fun one, so we can confidently say you're going to learn a thing or two here. And of course, it would not be fitter and faster without our gear up section. So we'll have executive editor and gear guru, Chris Foster, joining us later in the show to talk about some of the most important gear when it comes to the best bike fit for you, as well as his top tips for buying new and used bikes from a bike fit point of view. More from us after this short break. Last year, Shimano celebrated its 100th anniversary. Over the past century, Shimano has pioneered technologies and products that allow triathletes of all shapes and sizes, all abilities, and racing across all distances to find their athletic best. Here's to the next century of finding your best with Shimano. And did you know that Shimano's latest 12-speed DI2, Durace, and Ultegra group sets bring faster than ever shifting, new ergonomics, and incredible braking to any ride, helping you focus on your effort and the road ahead. You can check out all Shimano componentry as well as their all-new wheel lineup at bike.shimano.com. That's bike.shimano.com. Ivan O'Gorman is quite the legend when it comes to bike fitting, and he's built a name for himself through being extremely knowledgeable and passionate about what he does. You can also tell, just from the first few minutes of our chat here, just how much he cares about everyone who comes to him for a bike fit. And as we mentioned earlier, he's worked with a wide range of athletes and he's always looking to get people riding their bikes as efficiently and powerfully as possible. Don't take our word for it, though. Listen in. Here's our chat with Ivan. Ivan, thank you so much for joining us today. We are privileged to have you here on Fitter and Faster. How are you doing? I'm doing great, EK. Thank thank you so much for having me on. Uh, Looking forward to having a chat and, uh, yeah, catching up a little with you and hopefully I can contribute a little to your listeners. Yeah, yeah. So, I mean, when it comes to bike fitting, I uh, I really consider you bike fitting royalty. You know, like uh, doesn't doesn't get much more serious than IOG in the house. So, um, yeah, I'm definitely interested in some of your uh, thoughts and opinions here. And uh, I thought maybe we'd kick off by you kind of giving us a little bit of an outline uh, overview of uh, from your perspective the the importance of a good bike fit and why uh, why triathletes would consider getting a bike fit. Yeah, sure. Uh, thanks for the compliments. I think they're probably uh, over overserved. But uh, one <laughs> thing I'll definitely kick off with is I think um, how we've kind of built a reputation is really by investing in our athletes and just having a lot of um, passion behind what we do, you know, and trying to really ensure that we achieve good outcomes. So 
and and thankfully that's a word of mouth thing then you know and now the globe has gotten so small and we're all so connected it's it, it word does travel fast i guess when when you try to do it as good a job as possible so that's where we position ourselves and we've been fortunate to work with a whole range of of athletes and i think that that's helped us to kind of get a little bit of notoriety but we we take that responsibility very seriously to make sure that every day we come in like we we try to do a little bit better job and every single athlete we kind of start with the with their really their goals so i said i'd mention that because i think like the importance of a good bike fit is really that it's it's paired well to what the athlete's intentions are like what Mm -hmm. their goals are yeah and sometimes when you hear like the word bike fit we all have different interpretations of what that is and and in a lot of ways like a bike fit can be lots of different things it can have a high level of motion capture it could have you know a high level of kind of coaching aspects it could have um big product changes tiny changes there could be symptomatic drivers behind it where somebody's injured there could be performance drivers so when you think about that as like the potential ingredients for what need to be you know worked with in a bike fit a bike fit is is anything but generic and i think that that's probably the biggest biggest trap that that the bike fit label brings is people go in with expectations and then they're disappointed mm-hmm. so i would say generally like what 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 a good uh, hallmarks of a good bike fit is somebody who's got a great reputation who who just doesn't like dip in and dip in dip in and dip out of the space mm-hmm. uh, somebody who is like passionate about what they do because you know to be professional at your craft it just takes an awful lot of time and mm-hmm. you can have great academic background or you can have some great previous racing experience and um, but you also have to need put it put time into it and blend each of those kind of um backgrounds to ensure that you you get good outcomes for your riders mm-hmm. so but good good bike fit should start with um somebody who's got a good reputation who um will look at at, at kind of the rider's goals uh, a little bit further down the road than where they are today so that mm-hmm. means like somebody presents themselves today and what's today's kind of mission and today's mission could be to audit the position to see uh, how it pairs like flexibility and and capability with uh, the current contact points so how Mm -hmm. that's how your bike is set up and then what opportunities does that kind of present so what what could we do today that might yield again and and again what 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 are the risks involved with that Mm -hmm. and that's probably the first half of the session and then like what happens is you have this crossroads where it's like right well we have this potential to make this change how are we going to validate that so Mm -hmm. in an instant you can, it can be very self-gratifying to like, you know, make an adjustment, show somebody before and after motion capture data and say, aren't I wonderful? And mm-hmm. it can be very kind of self-serving, but like that doesn't mean anything because it's a great high quality capture of what went on, but you need to implement it into your training. And right. I'm kind of presuming that most people that are going to fork out money for a bike fit um, are going to, you know, have structured training or going to have some kind of goals. They don't necessarily have to have a coach or what have you, but they definitely have like something they're trying to achieve. So right. in, in that, in that, like how, how does that go then in their training? So like give you an example, we would, if I worked with Sam Long last week on Thursday, I would have said to him, so like, what's, what's your next session? Oh, I've got a three hour cruisy on Friday. Okay. What are you doing Saturday? Doing five hours with some like um, sweet spot and a little short bit of over unders. And it's like, all right, 
that gauge is like what we can do with the position and then we can see how it rides in those two sessions and then regroup afterwards. Okay. So like that's that's kind of how you weave it into the training. So mm-hmm. I think a, a session should always include what is the what is the plan B? What's the follow up? What's the validation to mm-hmm. you know that this position is working? And then like I'm an athlete like you, we get greedy. So it's like, well, that worked well. What can I do next? You know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I think that's where the experience of a fitter then should be able to like keep keep things in check and be a little bit of a watch guard uh, or a watchdog, so to speak, uh, to make sure that we just don't don't the athlete and and the and the momentum that's been achieved doesn't get too greedy and you end up losing what you work for. So, so it's I, very I know much that's a lot, but but that's that's kind of what I would call a, a kind of a an outcome from start to finish of what you should be trying yeah. to get out of any any bike fit. Yeah, and I guess the first thing that bubbles up there for me is that uh, it's very much an ongoing process. Then, like it's you know, like you say you have you have Sam Long come in, and you're thinking uh, you know, it's not just very much like a a one and done. It's like a let's do this and let's see how it rolls out, how how, how it rolls out when you when you ride next, and then when you add some intensity and when you do you train it when, once totally. you're, once you've spent some hours in the saddle, if you like. So it's like very much totally. I think uh, maybe some athletes might can maybe consider a bike for it to be oh I take my bike and myself and my body into into a studio and I come yeah. out and and that's done but um yeah you're saying it's far more of a, a an ongoing process yeah and like this comes from a place where we're trying to like learn ourselves every day you know we're always yeah. um working with new technologies working with collaborating with like either strength and conditioning or pt people high level coaches you know just really continuing to try to do a better job and it's very educational and I think that it should be like that for a rider experience as well they should leave that session with a far more information than they came in with with right. a kind of a with a kind of a realistic expectation of how this is going to play out what like what is the difference between you know an adaption to like something that's not going to work like um let's think about a couple of the traps that sometimes occur in bike fit somebody goes for a bike fit and of course, there's a power balance in that in that whole dynamic because the person coming in is probably pretty new and doesn't have a lot of experience. So there's a lot of power with the fitter. So the fitter can take it in any direction they want. And it's very hard for the, the customer, the rider, to actually like make sure that it stays on track. So sometimes... I think I'd be most disappointed about like these runaway fits where fitters go off down some rabbit hole that really isn't part of the rider's main goal, but they're just showcasing their technology or their how smart they are or something that they that they're sweet on at that time. Whether right. it's like, you know, extensions or arm pads or this particular saddle, and then you find like everyone ends up going on that for the next like three months you know so i right. the, the runaway train the runaway train fit is kind of a bit a bit worrisome so if, if i had somebody working here with me I, uh, and if they showed me great motion capture and they went through all the, the phases but on the top of the rider history form or one of the first things and their goals is saddle is uncomfortable and i'd love to ride for two hours without pain and if mm-hmm. I came back and this person was representing us and, and they'd like, look at this data, I even look at how much I changed it. There's back angles and hip angles and I shortened the crank and I did this. And, and I said, and did you address the saddle? No, but like, do you like my data? I'd be like, sorry, like you're just not a good, excuse the pun, but you're not a good fit for us here. Uh, <laughs> next, you know. So, yeah. so that would be like very like keeping it close to the, 
bidder's objective to achieve like what the goals of that person coming in is and sometimes like fitters are so quick to jump into like the whole process and the nuts and bolts that they forget about like the big picture like somebody's here to look at some knee issue or they're here to improve a saddle comfort or what have you so um so little thing so i suppose what's my my takeaway for the customer my takeaway for the customer is to ensure like that you you put a flag in the ground, like, listen, I want to qualify for 70.3 worlds, or yes. I want to finish my first 70.3 under six hours, or yeah. I, this ass, this saddle is killing me. So like, what are you going to do to find like better saddles for yeah. me? And the saddle says, oh, well, I've got this brand. Okay. Have you got others? No, but I do have motion. I do have a uh, pressure mapping. Let's put this under you. Okay. But what, what other saddles am I going to try? Well, I, you know, so then like, wouldn't the pressure mapping be totally redundant? Because at the end of the day, if there's only one saddle or two saddles and it's not really that comfortable, do you really care whether what the pressure mapping units are? You don't, you know. Yeah, so it's so really about keeping try, that, that athlete on track with their goals and you yeah. and you helping them as best you can t- towards that goal. Yeah, I guess. So, so like you you know it. If somebody comes in and they 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 can be very clear, here's why I'm here, this is what I'm trying to achieve. It really calls out the fitters' professionalism and their willingness to help you achieve those goals. So I think yeah. that's probably my first tip. Write down yeah. three things on a piece of paper that you are wherever you want. I'm, you can see how old I am uh, on your iPhone. And um, and just say, look, this is what I really want to try and achieve. If, if there's more that you can do for me, that's marvellous. But this is really, these are the things, this is why I'm paying the money. This is why yeah. I'm coming to you. And so with that in mind, cool. then, what are some of the biggest performance gains that you've seen some of your clients athletes making when you know from a from a bike fit from a from this whole process yeah, yeah. uh enter the product plug product plug no <laughs> there's no product plug here uh <laughs> i would say it's positional right because like let's cut out the frills right the rider is is essentially everything right um to the most part because whether you look at it through aerodynamics it's 80 something percent if you look at it through power production it's everything and if you look at it through sustainability it's comfort so honestly it starts with the rider so i think the biggest gains are know where you are from a kind of an an athleticism standpoint Mm -hmm. and and i don't want this to get lost that we're all talking about sam longs or you know taylor nibs or ella fredrickson's or anybody else that you know no it can be absolutely anybody right it's like you can be overweight and really athletic you could have played d something soccer or lacrosse and now you could have like put it 10 years into a career and now you want to get back into it mm-hmm. so i would say like some things as well as like uh you know making um these mistakes where like uh We'll say fitters do not understand, like, or don't take the time to understand, like, where does this athlete come from? What's going on there, and and how capable could they be? Because I think as big as big a, a miss is having a position that's too conservative as it is too aggressive. Mm-hmm. We normally think like that these positions are overcooked, you're too aggressive. But what if you have somebody who's like super capable and great flexibility and is a very agile athlete, but they're doing the first seventy point three? Does that mean you sit them up like a tourist? Of course not. Mm-hmm. So I would say the rider is kind of everything. So your athleticism or your kind of flexibility and your your where you are at that time and trying to match the bike to kind of just challenge you a little. Not yeah. like be too conservative, not be too aggressive, but just like just put it out there a little in front of you, if you know what I mean. So yeah. you'd know from the coaching context, that's what coaches would do. They'd test these athletes on sessions trying to like, you know, get a little bit more <clears throat> fitness and, and range from them. And I think bike fit can be a little like that. It's just, you know, <clears throat> give them something to work with. 
yeah. and something to work to. So that's that's probably, that's like the gains is like the position that's suitable to your body. Because ultimately then if you sit well in that position, you'll have good posture. Well, good posture is not just for pretty photos on Instagram. Good posture is likely going to generate better hip and knee power right. production. Right. So like right. better power production means possibly better speed, higher right. speeds, as long as you sit nice and calm, meaning you can sit in a tri- triathlon position and, you know, you're not fidgeting around, you feel secure. You actually really enjoy it. Like, it's yes. like I like yeah. this position. Yeah. So like, so I think there that's, that's that kind of avalanche of kind of like position, body to kind of bike, contact points, principally saddle, feet and what's under your elbows what's in your hand contact points that you just like you're not flinching from any of them or you don't like distrust any of them like you bury your elbow on the armpit and you go I feel planted here um, and if you get those things right then that kind of postural and internal workload for holding the position kind of becomes pretty natural you can train into it probably in you know 10 to 12 rides mm-hmm. and and then you can start layering in well how fit can i get in this position how much power can i generate in this right. position right, right, right. um and, and notice another one that i'm going to bunk right here is if someone says like oh you know give it three months and you'll adapt that's absolute horseshit like that's somebody <laughs> who doesn't want to see you for three months so what it really should be is look two to three rides you're going to know like that this position is 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 going to work you sure work for you sure you might say okay i can feel a little on my pubic bones because now I'm sitting on this particular saddle but it's really good for my lower back so just manage that make sure that that's comfortable um okay I can feel a little in my lats or a little bit in my neck but I haven't spent a lot of time trial time in this time trial position so let's monitor that over the next half a dozen rides and away you go so honestly like 10 to 12 rides you should be really clicked with the position and we mentioned that in our sessions so yes. if riders aren't yeah. happy and, and they're struggling a little, it's a little WhatsApp or it's whatever. Hey, Ivan, I'm struggling with this. And it's like, great, let's have you in. Because if the fitter doesn't want to own that kind of um, support, how are we going to know that the position rides well? And at the end yeah. of the day, like that's all that matters, you know, is that outcome. Yeah, so I think what you fitters, saying- fitters, if they're playing the long game, should should like prioritize ensuring that that those athletes click with the positions because nobody cares what the motion capture data is they care on the results right and i think what i hear you saying a lot there is that the comfort is such a big deal too right it's it's the probably the first thing that riders will talk about like 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 you said before like oh my saddle i'm uncomfortable on the saddle or this doesn't feel good like how are you going to write you know an ironman is a very long as we both know an ironman is a very long day can, can be a very long day out if you're not, and all the training that leads up to that, or even, or 70.3, or um, if you're not comfortable, then you're not going to yeah. be in the best position to produce the best power. You're not going to be in a happy headspace. You're not going to be, like your body, everything, all, all aspects of performance are going to totally. be off. So like, well, like, so like you're saying there, like the comfort is, the comfort is key. Comfort is huge. And all the yeah. athletes that ride well, unless they're folding themselves in half and they're really chasing speed, will have a high level of comfort. And something that I would again warn um, your kind of listeners on is, you know, um, if you start talking about, oh, my Ironman is in November and it's this and that and I want to be comfortable. If that's all the fitter takes out of it, you're probably going to be set up like a tourist. 
And then that's not going to serve you really well either. So I think what it should be is like, yes, we want to underpin it with comfort, but we are trying to find an efficiency where our overall speed is is representative of, you know, the power that we're doing and that we're not leaving too much yeah. on the table, we'll say, right. or too much on the road. And and you say, listen, here's here's your, here, here we are in February, you're going to do two 70.3s and a couple of small races and you want to have a great Ironman experience in November. Mm-hmm. So let's start like edging into that and you'd have a roadmap throughout the season that would probably need only one follow-up to ensure that like the adjustments have been made correctly whether it's like getting a little bit more aggressive on the front end or a little Mm -hmm. bit more reach or what have you and I think that that's very important because it would be highly unlikely you could set up your November position for a relatively new athlete in February and call it good because they like turn themselves inside out with 10 months training so like I would say that again now that makes common sense or should at least I'm not known for a lot of common sense but it should make a bit of common sense that like you know let maybe a little mid-season check-in and again if the fitter said right why don't we spend 90 minutes today and leave an hour in the tank for may let's touch base with you after your after you do you know your 70.3 in may and let's see how all of this went and um and i think like to your point about being comfortable in an iron man being a long day like you know everybody has been frustrated at one stage or another. You go out to do like four times 20 minutes at 70.3 effort and you can't get comfortable. You're not even thinking about your goddamn Ironman six months later. You're more thinking about, I'm not comfortable. I'm not doing this. I'm not hitting this kind of numbers or I'm not, I'm not riding like how I need to be here. So you can like, the rider should be able to give that feedback pretty quickly to the, to the, bike fitter and say listen I know we made some big changes I like A, B but C it doesn't seem to be working for me I'm kind of struggling to hit these kind of efforts uh, can can we work on that so yeah, I would say that yeah and it's obviously an ongoing pro- like you say it's an ongoing process and it might be like it starts in February and you're working towards a goal race in November do you have mm. or do you work in tandem with physios or PTs to um, or strength like coaches to, necessary to- necessary yeah. like we welcome if somebody wants to bring their coach like you know Dibbins Dibbins will come to all her riders bike fits and she loves like understanding it and learning and being a fly in the wall and, mm-hmm. and just making sure because then she can start like laying in the workload to them once she feels confident that you know the position is kind of well established and yeah. plus she gets her own eye in because she rides with a lot of her riders so she gets her own eye in then she can see like are they executing this on the road you know, because that's another kind of a problem where like, you know, oh, I looked lovely on the trainer in the studio when I was pedaling 120 <laughs> watts, you know, and then you're going to do an effort at 200 watts and you start unraveling. So yeah. um, I would say that, you know, there's two things that you mentioned. One is like, do we work with other people to ensure that the position is suitable for like the rider's improvements i'd say yes is the answer in any fitter who's hesitant to share their data or share their notes or share their studio with um other other parts of the team even from an age group standpoint um probably that that's not a great starting point Mm. and the other thing that you said is like how often might you need to check in for a bike fitter this or that if you wanted if i wanted to just try and like fill the cash register i'd be saying oh every quarter you come in and it's 250 dollars but it's it's not like that honestly like a good bike fit should, should sort you out for at least a year. 
you mm. know what I mean? And I think the only thing that made mostly changes that is if you improve at such a rate that there's more left on the table and we could take it, you should. Or yeah. if you're managing like a niggle or an injury and you have to make an accommodation to a saddle height or to a front end or something to kind of allow you to continue the training and and and, and keep yourself sane so that you can continue your three sports. So again, um, the rider relationship, if a fitter takes care of that relationship and makes sure that the outcome is good. Well, honestly, that's kind of a customer for life, you know? And they'll say, oh, no, I want to get a road bike and they'll come back to you. And then they say, oh, I had such a great time. I went 11.40 in Wisconsin and now I'm really getting after it. Next year, I'm going to go to Roth and it's a fast course. So I really want to like see if I can take an hour off my time. And so that doesn't need to be like an entire process where you rebuild it. That's just an audit for where they are at the time and what's the next step. So, yeah. you know, you can be part of the journey. And, and and honestly, that's where we get a lot of the kick, you know, like we get oh, a great sure. kick out of, out of, you know, like young pros, like I mentioned, Taylor Nib, like crushing it on a road bike because yeah. we felt it was too much, too much risk for her to go on the TT bike because she didn't need to from a power standpoint and her run off the road bike was a known quantity whereas her run off a tri bike was an unknown quantity and sure she could have gone seven minutes quicker but she's such a beast she doesn't need to so like she just needed to sit at her power give up a tiny bit of time aerodynamically but she'd have massive confidence in her run so that was cool to be part of that journey but listen if we get an email from somebody who says Ivan I can't tell you like how grateful I am the position worked out great I I ran I broke four hours in the marathon because the bike felt so comfortable and I felt I could have gone quicker but it was it was I just I was just in control on the bike like that's the stuff you celebrate you know what I mean so we 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 definitely like being part of those journeys because at the end of the day like like why are you doing it you know i know we all need to pay bills don't get me wrong but like if you can be really into your customers outcomes it doesn't feel like work <laughs> right no totally and and that's a very good point about taylor i mean a, a lot of people uh, i remember watching 70.3 boulder last summer and you know a lot of people kind of almost astounded by the fact that she was yeah. uh, right riding away from a field full of women on all on tt bikes with aerolids on and then I remember speaking, I remember interviewing Ian O'Brien, her coach, at the end of last year and talking, you know, just reflecting on her season and in the breakthroughs that she'd had. And he said, you know, it was really interesting to hear him say, like, well, that position and her bike, her road bike, we were so dialed and she had so much confidence, you know, physically, mentally, emotionally. It's like, you don't want to, you don't want to change that. Like, there was no way. And like, and like you say, I... Uh, I, I didn't know that you were the bike fitter involved in that process. I'm not at all surprised. So, um, but yeah, that's, that was very cool to see. And obviously it raised that question that a lot of triathletes have like, Oh, a road bike, not a TT bike. Oh, I thought, I thought we, I thought we were all supposed to ride TT bikes. So um, yeah, no, an interesting, interesting side note, but um, I know the confidence that comes from that is, is big. Right. And I guess, so on that kind of kind of related to that what are some of the things that you see or what are some of the biggest mistakes that you see athletes making when it comes to bike fit is it could it be like jumping from a road bike to a tt bike and expecting it to be you know a a seamless transition or you know are there there common injuries that arise from from a poor bike fit or from from making that transition too quickly um yeah any any kind of the most common the most common common is comfort and it probably has to start with the saddle and that's the most common and like especially uh, I feel like you know females even are more guilty of this like because I think their tolerance for pain and for 
putting up with stuff is a lot higher than us us other folk is um is like they just like oh well i guess uh, you know it thought it'd be tough i thought you know just thought it'd be a challenge so i just kind of went ahead mm. and sometimes like it's great right in the moment you, we do what we call like saddle speed dating someone comes in and like they're like yeah i'm really not comfortable <laughs> on this whole position okay um have you tried any other saddles no ever no okay well we know where we're starting and it's like okay let's try these half a dozen saddles and it's like oh shit that feels good right and it's like you know and like again and it's like you know we say objectively okay that's great where is it compared to your own oh my own is like a two out of ten where's this oh it's like an eight out of ten okay first gate passed you know let's see what it's like after three hours on saturday you know and just make sure that it like it can endure the time that you need it to in the position that you need it for but that's that's one that as i said it impacts your posture posture impacts your power production so like saddle is probably the biggest thing is like right. if you haven't ridden a number of saddles you're probably underselling yourself unless you just got lucky um and and you ended up getting a bike that had a saddle that was good and off you go but that's probably the one that it's great right it makes the fit go easy like you feel like a champ and it's like oh, i'm gonna close this one out pretty easy from a bike fitter standpoint <laughs> but there's a part of me that feel, nearly feels like oh for christ's sake like if this person could have been on a more comfortable saddle like six months ago they could have had so many better performances right or like it's just unfortunate yeah. that they were just putting up with that because they thought it was a measure of how tough they were so i would say like you know suffering for the right reasons is great right suffering yeah. for something that isn't contr- right reasons meaning like is it contributing to my performance suffering for something that isn't contributing to your performance is just unnecessary so that's it so saddle is number one um and i would say the next thing then is um um, probably just like a lack of attention to detail, you know, like think of it, you pull a bike out of a box and you assemble it, and you jump up. There's no like attention to where like, you know, maybe the arm pad is, where you put your elbow on it, where the extensions are, mm-hmm. uh, all that kind of stuff. Um, and maybe one tip that I might give people in this regard is, when you think of like, you look at the bike from a side image, right? And you you can see, okay, there's the crank. That's kind of the bottom bracket. You see where the saddle is. Okay, I guess that's kind of like the saddle and C2 position. And then you look where the arm pad is. Um, at the saddle, you've got adjustability, right? You can push it all the way forward, all the way back. Mm-hmm. You can kind of have what you deem a high satellite or a low satellite. And and if you think about that, like if you're a small rider, you're probably going to be a little bit more in front of center, with mm-hmm. that saddle does that make sense so like mm-hmm. you look at the midline of the seat post where the saddle attaches you look at like the saddle where it's on the rails and you say like if i'm under five foot six or like 165 or something like that centimeters i'm probably going to be riding on the front half of that seat position mm-hmm. yeah. and and again if i'm taller i'm probably on the back half of that and again you think of somebody again they're riding uh somebody who's five six or smaller and uh, not saying that that's a critical number by any means but they're five six or smaller and and their their bike has all the spacers and arm pad spacers and you know and anything else chances are that front end is too tall for them but right. the person who is you know six foot and taller probably needs a lot of those spacers to ensure that the drop isn't too much so mm-hmm. i would say just think about your bike proportionally to kind of where you are and mm-hmm. and that's one 
kind of broad stroke way to see uh, because some riders like let's say you take that small rider where their saddle is pushed all the way back and they find themselves crawling out the nose of the saddle when they're trying to hit like race power mm-hmm. and then the minute they're yep. finished like trying to hit that power they're like pushing back in the saddle because basically yeah. they're not sitting on it yeah. so like that would be a classic that they could nearly self-diagnose that one and I know now this isn't telemedicine so I've got to be careful but um, <laughs> you know but that's just think about proportions well, yeah, yeah. I guess on, on, and on the topic of telemedicine <laughs> or ish, mm-hmm. uh, one of the things I was going to ask you was obviously triathlon is an expensive sport. Bike fitting isn't mm-hmm. cheap. Not everybody comes into the yeah. sport ready to like throw down a ton of cash. Are there in, yeah. in that vein, are there some golden rules? Um, or obviously, like, like some of those you just touched on, but are there some, any other golden rules or first kind of check checkpoints, if you like, for people who don't have the cash? To, to pay a bike fitter when they first start out um, in order for them to get set up as efficiently as possible? Yeah, I would say uh, let's do it like what we do in the studio, right? But how could somebody do it at home if I had kind of like, how could you kind of work at home? Um, you can do online consultations, right? So there's people will do online consultations, but it doesn't solve for saddles. It doesn't solve for things like that. But um, there are some online consultations. Technology is flying at the moment. And in a matter of months, you'll be able to upload videos and have it analyzed and, and give you kind of recommendations and changes. And a little birdie told me so. So watch that space iog.bike but um (laughs) beyond that beyond that um ensure that the saddle is comfortable when you're in like a time trial position Mm -hmm. and that you you are sitting more on your pubic bones and you are rotating forward because that'll give your lower back a little bit of relief you're not kind of sitting in a narrow position but your sacrum angle is very upright and hence you've got this big kind of hunch in your back so get on a good saddle that's the first thing second of all uh you know make sure that when you're in shoes that they're comfortable that that they feel nice and snug that you can adjust how tight or loose you want them just depending on the kind of efforts you might be doing or the kind of uh weather you might be racing in and then that's kind of the back end right saddle and feet um if you're riding at 700 millimeters that center of bottom bracket to saddle top if you're riding 700 or lower you probably should be riding like a 165 crank if you were riding like 170 uh, 700 millimeters to 750 category um 75 centimeters that's pushing now into the medium bikes and the first ones were referencing kind of extra small small pushing to kind of the medium bikes you're probably going to end up on a 170 if you're riding taller than a 75 satellite like that 75 to 800 then you're going to be on like probably a 172.5 and Mm -hmm. so on so just like for your height have a look at the crank length if you're riding a 48 Cervelo, you know, uh, P, P series with a 172.5, chances are that crank is too long for you. Mm-hmm. But Cervelo wouldn't do that, but it could be on it aftermarket. Um, then the next thing you could do is look. Greg LeMond won three Tour de France. He's an American rider and he had a, a little relationship for your inseam. And you take your inseam in centimeters, and let's say you were 78 centimeters, you'd multiply that by. I'm just going to call it 0.887. That's what it is. I was going to round it up, but let's just call it 0.887. And that will give you 690 satellite, say for argument's sake, right? Like that wouldn't be a terrible starting point. Mm-hmm. And at least you could say to yourself, all right, that's good. At least I know I'm not going to be up in the clouds. Or I'm not going to be sitting down in some beach chair. It's like, okay, this is probably not great, but it's a good starting point. Um, so I would say that that's an inseam ratio. 
centimeters times 0.887. And then uh, that'll kind of get you going on saddle height. And then saddle fore aft, why don't I just give them a simple principle? If you're under five foot six, probably keep it centered to forward. If you're above five foot six, maybe it's centered to a little back of that. Got it. So now like when you kind of trace it from the, we'll call it the pedal up, we kind of have the back half dialed. Mm-hmm. And then I would say, if you're on the right size bike, that's a big if, but you probably are. But if you're on the right size bike, then think about the maximum height, and the maximum, like how low it can be. Mm-hmm. And if you're first time competitor, set it at like 50 to 75% of that height. Right. If you're like somebody who's done a couple of races and you're enjoying it and you're a capable bike handler, meaning you're not falling off every two rides, then you're probably around 50%. If you're somebody who's like very athletic and you want to get after it and you're trying to place high in your age group and get a qualifying spot to someplace, then you're probably below 50% of that, like of that adjustability. Does that make kind of sense? Yeah. No, and then from a four after the arm pad, why don't you just think about the base bar? Okay. And the base bar, that arm pad should generally be somewhere above the base bar. Mm-hmm. And if you're a little on that conservative side and you're riding it a little bit taller, it might be just behind the base bar, meaning a little closer to the saddle right. or bottom bracket. If you're kind of, again, in that 50% range, it's probably over the base bar. If you're getting after it a little bit, you're probably a little in front of the base bar. Or let's say there's four arm pad settings. Chances are you're probably pushing that arm pad forward to the fourth setting. Right. So that might give you a bit of an idea for people to look at their own bike and say, oh, shit, based on what he just said, why is my arm pad all the way forward? You know, like right, this is yeah. my first tri bike. Why is, yeah. you know, and I think that's probably easier for people to visualize that than me giving them these kind of now measure this and now measure that because that's oh, not for easy sure. either. Yeah. 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 No, no, yeah. The, the broad strokes are always good here, I think. Yeah. Okay. So, final yeah. question before we wrap up, which uh, obviously you work with a ton of different athletes, ton, seen a ton of different bike brands underneath them. Which of the yeah. bike brands do you consider to have like the best, the best fit range and the easiest to size for, for tri athletes? Yeah. If, if um, there are any, I don't know, maybe there aren't. There are. Look, um, you know, what's the, what's, like, what are one of the most tri-specific brands in the market? You know, you're going to know it. like, who's won, like, the most Konas? Who's won, going back, probably some of that heritage goes to Cervelo. Right. And then when you think special, I, think, yeah. I think so, right, to be yeah. fair. And then you think of, like, uh, Specialized, and then you think of Trek, and then you think of Canyon, and then, like, there's just lots and lots of brands. But yeah. right now, if you want to buy a bike from at home or you want to size a bike from at home, like, the calculators don't serve them very well. All right. Mm-hmm. And like, okay, Cervelo does a great job. You punch in your arm pad X and Y, you punch in your satellite and it, it shows you how to plot it out. That's wonderful if you have it. But if you don't have it, you're gonna that's not super easy either. And mm-hmm. um, so I I would say there's no home run there, but things are improving very uh, quickly in that area. There, that's areas that very smart companies have asked us to help them with and solve for. Mm-hmm. Uh, so you're going to see some big changes in some of the technology and what you can do at home and 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 how you can kind of reduce that friction when it comes to like buying a bike and sizing a bike without spending hundreds of dollars. Right. So, um, but right now nobody's doing a brilliant job, but I would say you will need to get arm pad stack and reach values to understand mm-hmm. where the front end of the bike is going to be set up. And most mistakes are made with the front end of the bike because, mm-hmm. you know, like, look, you can go from a 48 to a 62 tri bike if there's such a thing, we'll say, and the C2 bangles are only going to be sh- uh, in a range of three to four degrees. 
right? Mm -hmm. So no biggie there. Of course, standover is a bit of an issue. If I jump up on Sam Long's bike, I'm going to get it in the crotch, right? So like (laughs) standover is important. But really beyond that, like satellite and standover can be solved pretty quickly. It's really more about the adjustability of the front end. So Mm -hmm. like when you look at these choice-specific brands like, like, like Cervelo, like the Trek Speed concept, like, you know, even the Shiv from a, with Specialized from a context of how much you can adjust the front end. Mm-hmm. It's like, there's some great range there. And and um, there are other brands and it does come at the price of aerodynamics. Other brands, when they prioritize how clean the front end is and how integrated it is, they, they shrink the kind of adjustment availability. So sometimes you can buy okay. this bike that's a, like, yeah. so think of like a Canyon A bike, right? They're, whatever that is now, it's CFR, SLX, PQR, STUV, whatever. That like Speedmax, it's a wonderful bike, right? But you go down to the second level Speedmax, it's got at least double the adjustability. Right. So I would say like if you're punting, if you're punting into their A bike, you better know your position because there's less adjustability kind of availability. Yeah. Yeah. If you're like getting into it, it's same with the P-Series and like say the P5 disc. You know, you just can't prioritize aerodynamics without it coming at a cost of something. So then like why, you know, that that's kind of really what happens when people are looking at, should I go the 10 grand or will I go the six grand or whatever the, the price yeah. difference yeah. is? They, sh- they should probably be thinking like, how confident am I in my position that it's not going to change a ton? Because then like, now you can see my first question to somebody if they picked up the phone, hey, I want to buy a Speedmax. I'd say, okay, great. Where's the position now? Where's it going to be in a year? Well, I've just taken up triathlon. I'd be like, okay, all right, easy, easy now. Let's <laughs> let's go easy here a little. Um, because that just wouldn't be as, as straightforward. So it's not a gripe on those bikes. I'm just saying, know the adjustability. And if adjustability is a higher priority than aerodynamics for your for where you are in your triathlon career, um, mm. well, then prioritize that, you know? Yeah, no, that's a yeah. that's a very interesting and insightful nugget. I think, uh, but yeah, yeah, that's that's very good to know. But uh, yeah, yeah. Well, why don't we why don't we do a once a month on bike fit and gather some topics? And, we, we uh, sure can. It's, uh, I mean, there's plenty more questions it. we could ask you. We could get some uh, questions, well, get some more questions in from re- uh, our audience too, for sure. Yeah, if I can help people with that kind of information, make it very educational, like I'd love to contribute a little. And um, because I think another problem, it's a bit like bike fit, isn't it? When you try to like answer too broad a range in questions, yeah. you're actually kind of maybe losing the real nuggets for, for some for some of the listeners. But hopefully my kind of little way for people at home to kind of visually diagnose their own position and bike um, might help. And, uh, yeah. you know, a couple of those other little tips might help them as well. For sure, I think that's a great uh, jumping off point, and uh, and yeah. very good to have like those ground those ground strokes uh, laid out. So yeah, yeah, thank you, yeah. Ivan. I know you've got a you've got a bike fit to go do now. So we won't real deal, real deal. I know the man is the man is in the arena. He is there. I got a girl. I got a girl coming in now. She's actually unloading her bike outside here as we speak. And uh, I told you they'd be early. And that's one of the beautiful things about working with people who are motivated about like their hobby. Like these people arrive early. They're excited. They want to know what they can achieve. And I never lose sight of it. That it's a real privilege to be able to, you know, work with people when they're in a mindset that that they're so positive about and they're and they're able to really invest themselves in it. It's not like some financial deal where. Everyone's on like edge, you know. It's it's yeah, a real yeah. 
it's a real privilege to work with people to help them kind of get the most out of their sport, you know, and that can be, yeah. as I say, like, you know, losing weight to completing the first race to not drowning to not to clipping in. Like, it doesn't matter. Like if you come for a bike fit with a pair of Crocs and, and a pair of Lululemons, <laughs> that's fine. You know, we'll figure it out. But um, because sometimes being part of those very early journeys is is what you look back on and say, that was oh, so much fun. Sure. Do you remember the first time? Remember the first time you came with a pair of Havaianas? You know, it's just, it's fun. <laughs> All right. Okay, thank you. We really appreciate your time, Ivan, and uh, your star. Thank you so much. Not at all. All the best, DK. Have a great week. Cheers. Bye. See ya, boy. Shimano has had a strong presence on the triathlon scene for as long as we can remember, and they just keep evolving. Did you know that Shimano's latest 12-speed DI2, Durace, and Ultegra group sets bring faster-than-ever shifting, new ergonomics, and incredible braking to any ride, helping you focus on your effort and the road ahead? You can check out all Shimano componentry as well as their all-new wheel lineup at bike.shimano.com. That's bike.shimano.com. Next up, we're joined by Chris Foster, our executive editor and resident gear guru, who has some super useful advice for those looking to buy a new bike or a used bike and what to consider when it comes to making sure you're riding the right size bike for you. We also chat through saddles and aero bars, two of the most important touch points when it comes to riding. As always, the gear guru has plenty of nerdy, useful insights for us all. Okay, here's our chat with Chris. Hello, Chris Foster, the gear guru is in the house. How are you today, okay. sir? I'm good. We were both just complaining about our respective coldness levels. I'm chilly at 61 and it <sighs> is... And I can't believe I'm saying this, uh, and I'll do it by bilingually because uh, for all our listeners out there, but it's minus <laughs> one Fahrenheit, and I think that equates to minus 20 Celsius. And yeah, I was just telling Chris about how my dogs are really enjoying this this weather and uh, <laughs> icy paws and all that stuff. So yeah, and, and Chris said it's cold here in LA, 61, I've got the heater on. So That's true. I have a heater sitting next to me. 61 is too chilly. I prefer really like a tight 65 to 70 range, anything outside of that, and I just can't. <laughs> oh, Californians. You, you love Gotta love them. <laughs> Uh, well, we're talking all things bike fit today, as well as the weather. Um, so, and I know, uh, yeah, we were just talking before we hit record just there. We were just talking about all different things that make up a make up a good bike fit. Um, and obviously, from a gear point of view, it's often about making the bike fit the the items and the pieces of equipment that make the bike fit better for you, and the things that are really really helpful to know when you're about to make a purchase or or up, upgrade a, a part of your bike, a component of your bike. Um, so we were, yeah, so we were just yeah. running through that, weren't we? And, uh, yeah. so, I mean, obviously, you no, know, it's not like we're going to, we're going to sit here and talk about all the different, um, uh, bike fitting machines and stuff. Cause you're not going to go no. and buy some nice retool. Um, I wouldn't even want to think about how much, I don't, I don't even want to think about how much a retool, uh, system would cost. So crazy. I'm sure, I'm sure one of our fitters can chime in on our, our team triathlete slack and, and let us all know, but, um, it's not a cost I want to think about. But, but it's, you know, things that triathletes are thinking about is, you know, we get these questions all the time. You know, actually, just this weekend, we had something on the Team Triathlete Slack channel. Um, a guy said, you know, I've got four choices of bikes. You know, mm -hmm. what, which one of these four should I get? Right. And um, I loved the responses. And they were all, which one is going to fit you best? Number yes. one. Yes. Like, that, that's the, the number one thing before, um, before weight, before aerodynamics, before, honestly, even before price. 
you should be like, look, is this bike, you know, going to fit me, fit me well. And then, well, you know, the old saying, the saying, it's like, this, this sounds like such like a dad saying at this point, I feel like I've been saying it enough, but I would rather have a $2,000 bike with a $200 fit than $10,000 bike with a 50 cent fit. Yeah. Like, hands down. Like yeah. I will ride a perfectly fit Walmart bike all day and all night, um, a, you know, rather than a P5X that's slightly too small, you know, and I'm well, just bunched onto that little thing. Right. And it is the year of the guinea pig here at Triathlete, it feels like. Yeah. So maybe that's what we we give you a project to do that, an experiment to do that at some point along the, <laughs> along the course well, of uh, we, the season. We gave, we gave our gear editor an ill-fitting bike for two weeks. See what happens. And how long was he in the PT's office? Right, for? exactly. How many <laughs> how many trips? And then we could do a bunch of follow-up stories like how to fix horrible back problems. Oh, your your no. shoulders are ruined. What stretches should you do to uncoil? Um, no, that's that's a horrifying guinea pig one. But we yeah. I mean, honestly, it's not the worst thing because because a lot of people do, you know, they say, um, you know, I, I love the new, I don't know why I keep saying P5X, um, you know, something just off the top of the, you know, off the wall. And, mm -hmm. you know, I want this because it's going to make me faster, but, you know, the shop didn't have my size. So I'm going to go, you know, a size lower because the salesman said I could fit this bike. Right. And that's always like when the salesman's saying you could fit this bike, that's kind of a red flag. Mm -hmm. um, because absolutely, and I know I haven't talked about this, it's, you know, you're going to be faster, you're going to be stronger, more, you know, obviously you'll be more comfortable. Um, but I think, I think the thing for me is, you know, there's, you know, each person can probably sit, fit two to three sizes of bike, mm -hmm. maybe, um, depending on the range. But a person is not, a, you know, a stationary object. They're not no. always going to have the same level of fitness. Like ideally yep. we're getting faster and stronger. So, mm -hmm. you know, we may want to get more aerodynamic. Okay. So we're looking at a different setup for your current bike. You know, you don't want to buy a yep. new bike every time you get fitter. That's insane. Yeah. Um, or, you know, the, the flip side of that coin is, you know, we're all getting older and sometimes, you know, the goal is not to get more aerodynamic. Maybe the goal is to deal with, um, you know, flexibility that wasn't there before. Uh, yeah or that was there before and that now is, you know, a limiter. Um, again, same thing. When you, when you buy a bike, when you're 40, you don't want to necessarily have to get a new bike at 45 simply because, um, you know, it was too small and now I can't go up enough. You know, I, I, yeah, I, have, I, think I have shoulder issues from something completely unrelated and mm -hmm. I'm unable to adapt to that bike. Um, that's something I think that people really don't think about when they're, yeah. you know, which is funny. It's such a, that's kind of a classic American thing, I guess. We're very short-sighted with our purchases. Um, maybe not just Americans, but... Um, no, I think I, I think that might be a global problem. Yeah. I, I, did, I did a little, hmm, next, I was like thinking, hmm, yeah. no, I think, that's, I think that applies to any, everybody, but yeah, it's especially like, triathletes looking to get faster. And yes. I think maybe that's where the short-sightedness comes in. Yes. It's like, I want to see immediate gains. I want to get faster. I've just invested X thousand thousand uh, dollars pounds dollars uh in <laughs> uh dollars in this new bike like i want to see the return on my investment yeah i know I'm, um, i know this but and you think to yourself this bike is only going to make me faster like right yeah. why else would you buy it you know yeah and, and to a lot of triathletes faster means lower right or a lighter yes. bike or yes. you know narrower bars because you're cutting a, a smaller footprint into the wind yeah. um but but the reality is we're not going to get faster forever, 
right? At some right. point, you may like everyone's going to age, but not only that, but you know, injuries may pop up, things you don't mm-hmm. even know. And if you don't have the flex, the flexibility within your fit, let alone the flexibility within your body, um, you know, that purchase's value has just gone down. You know, it's, right. it's less less valuable bike to you all of a sudden, and now it becomes right, right, something right. you have to get rid of. Yeah. Ooh. So what would be your top tips then when it comes to buying a new bike with and buying it with not just fancy speed gains in mind, but with a bike fit, you know, from the perspective of a bike fit, what would be your top tips as uh, when so, it comes to buying a new bike? So I, I like, you know, I hate calling it, well, no, I don't mind calling out brands, but um, so just two, two brands kind of on the opposite ends of the spectrum when it comes to fit. And I use this mostly as an illustration. Mm-hmm. Um, two brand new bikes. The first one, Orbea's Ordu, a bike mm-hmm. I like a lot. Mm-hmm. Um, it was one of my favorites in the last couple of years. It comes in four sizes. Okay. Mm-hmm. You see it on the website, four sizes, is like, I don't know what they're, small, medium, large, 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 whatever. But in reality, they make three frame sets. Oh, interesting. And the two middle sizes are simply uh, a longer posted uh, arrow bar and a longer seat post. Okay. Oh, interesting. Okay. So, I mean, not knocking Orbea. I mean, the reality is when you when you sell bikes and you're a bike manufacturer, every frame size is a new frame mold, and mm-hmm. it costs you a lot of money to produce. Mm-hmm. Let alone the fact that you might not sell all those sizes, right? right. The, hence, why a lot of brands don't make super small bikes or super right. large bikes. The forty eight, um, sir. Yeah, like Kelly's yeah. always looking for. Yeah. Um, our editor in chief and. And I think she likes to think it's a conspiracy, but, but the reality is, um, the reality is, you know, at the end of the season, a lot of those bikes are just being discounted because there are just fewer people that fit that yes. size bike. Yeah. And, you know, aside from, you know, a thousand dollars for a frame, it costs much more than that for a, a bike manufacturer because the mold is very expensive. Mm-hmm. Um, so, okay. That's why Orbea has ostensibly three sizes in their new Ordu. Um, and then you look at another brand like Quintana Roo, for instance. Mm-hmm. Um, another bike I really like this year, they have a new, uh, VPR that's like all over our mag, our upcoming print magazine. Yes. Um, March April issue coming yeah, out. Soon. This, this is not a plug for QR, but it's just, they, they do, they're a good example of a brand. I mean, they have six sizes in there and I think almost all their line, I can't remember if it's their whole line, but mm-hmm. six sizes is quite a bit. Most brands. Yeah. That's have, quite a breadth of, of range. Yeah. Like Cervelo, I think has five typically. And like I said, mm-hmm. Orbea says they have four, but really it's three. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, so what that means for someone, sorry, all the way back to your original question, what that means for someone is you are going to get, you're going to have more size overlap. There's more bikes yes. that could fit you, yep. which is important because if you're like, you know, I'm, I'm 20. I think I'm going to go lower. I think I'm going to get better at this sport over the next 10 years. You mm-hmm. might want to get a little bit on the smaller end because mm-hmm. then you can dial it lower and faster. Yeah. If you're on the older side or for instance, you're fitter, you know, suggest that, and this is all with the guidance of a fitter, but I'll get to that. Um, you go on the larger side, knowing that again, both sizes fit you, but mm-hmm. the larger size one is thinking ahead to 55 years old or you know, possible injury or something you already have going on a little bit that could, you know, exacerbate as you do mm-hmm. a longer event. Yep. Um, so that's, that's kind of what, at least when I'm talking about brands and specifics and stuff like that. Yes. Um, but, but the reality is like, if you're buying a new bike and I don't know, we'll talk about used bikes a little bit too. Um, 
but you need you need to get pre-fit. I think that that's that's the thing that a lot of fitters are offering now as a service is a pre-fitting service. So, okay, so explain oh, to us for people who maybe aren't familiar with what a pre-fit is. Yeah, so you're you're like, okay, I want to buy a new bike. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, usually we have an idea of what we want, but it's best you don't, honestly. Mm, um, before you go to the, yeah, yeah, yeah. So you can go to the fitter and be like, look, I'm thinking about buying a new bike. We'll, we'll just say a new bike for now. A new mm-hmm. bike, brand new. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, they put you on a fit cycle, whether it's a retool or, you know, any one of those kinds of fit cycles. And they'll mm-hmm. go through with no preconceptions, mm-hmm. right? Um, what bike is going to fit you best? And then again, what bike will fit future you best, mm-hmm. you know, after hearing your goals and they'll probably do have you do some flexibility, um, mm-hmm. some mobility, you know, movements and stuff like that to kind of assess where you are. Um, and then they're going to come out with just a page of numbers, you know, fit numbers. Yeah. And um, every shop is different, but I know uh, our, our friends over at Acme in Brooklyn, mm-hmm. they made a cool fit calculator. So they plug those numbers into this custom fit calculator where they've got all mm-hmm. the bike specs and, you know, they've made it into this, he calls it like a universal language, which is very cool. Mm-hmm. Um, and, uh, and they'll spit out, you know, these bikes will work with you, this brand, this model, this size, right. or usually these sizes. And then, okay. okay, so that's one thing. It's like, you know, we've got these numbers, this data, ones and zeros, basically. And it says, okay, these bikes will fit you. And like mm-hmm. I said, a few of them are in the same, or different sizes, same model. But then you add the human element, the fitter, right? That kind of the art to the art and science. And they're going to say, well, from what you told me, I know that you want to go lower soon. And I believe that you can do that based on your age yeah. and your fitness and your experience. Yeah. And all about. So now they're saying, okay, well, we're moving towards this bike. Right? Yeah. So, and that's why it's, you know, I fitters cringe at the thought of an online um, fit or, or, you know, mm-hmm. like, like what size bike should I get? Oh, I'm six one. And they, mm-hmm. they tell you the bike size you are. Well, that's scary because, you know, you could have super long legs, you could have a super long torso, yeah. you could have mobility issues, and, and not even to mention the fact that you haven't told them anything about what you want to do, your injuries. Yeah, what distance you're racing. Right, yeah. exactly. So yeah. you get that, you get those numbers, then you get potential bikes, and then mm-hmm. the fitter sits down and says, okay, well, these, these are the bikes I believe will work best for you. Mm-hmm. Um, and now, you know, what could have been a tough decision of, you know what, 15 bikes realistically is probably like four. Mm-hmm. Um, and then, and then you get to like, be like, Oh, cool. These four, you know, I like these features, disc brakes and the arrow and the way it looks and blah, blah. So you can actually do some shopping. Yeah. Um, but it's, I think, I think if you go in saying, you know, I want the Trek speed concept to make it fit to me. Well, yeah, yeah the fitter is going to make it fit to you, but is that the yeah. right bike? You yeah. Don't know, unless yeah. you get it done before yeah um, having that short list of bikes that work yeah. for you and your your body your history your goals like that sounds far smarter than doing it the other way around right and and i feel like when you put it that way it's like it's almost like you have a concierge you know you can make it like sound very fancy um oh, yes but it is true we had we had a guy ask me uh this weekend on the slack channel about uh he had four we'll talk about used bikes a little bit four used bikes yeah 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 um and, and the big caveat with used bikes is that um, because you're not dealing with a full size range, you can get fit blindness is what I want to fit call it. Blindness. Fit okay, this blindness. Okay, sounds, this sounds like a fosterism if ever I've heard one. <laughs> Just came up with it. No, it's all very scientific. <laughs> um, but, you know, it's like 
okay, there's a, there's a speed. I love Trek speed concept. There's mm -hmm. one in 56. It's a great deal. The guy's right down the street yeah. from me. Um, and then there's a, you know, but I'm, you know, whatever, let's say I'm six, three. Okay. Mm -hmm. Uh, just to keep it simple. But, and then there's another one I see online. It's another thousand dollars. It's this felt, but it's a 58 and, uh, you know, I'm not into it. It's not as new. Um, so you get this, this like tunnel vision on this Trek speed concept. And like, that's what I want. Like, I love that bike. It's beautiful, but it's not quite the right fit. Right. Um, and of course, you know, we've talked about what goes wrong when you have the wrong fit. Um, but with used bikes too, you kind of get this problem where you got to understand someone else owned it before you. Yes. Right? And if they knew what they were doing at all, they probably sized the arrow bars to them, mm -hmm. probably cut to fit because yes. that's what you do with arrow bars. Um, they may have cut to fit the seat post, which you might not know until after you bought the bike. Um, you probably need to swap out the saddle almost certainly. Yeah. Um, so all of a sudden, you know, this, this thousand dollar cheaper, uh, speed yeah, concept has suddenly become has become okay now i need new arrow bars that fit me that are good that's you know 200 bucks oh well i don't know how to install arrow bars uh i have to go to the bike mechanic and let me tell you as a former bike mechanic swapping out arrow bars is horrifying it's, <laughs> it's like one of the worst things and if you have hydraulic brakes get out of here with that like <laughs> like you are looking i mean and the reality is you are looking at a, another hundred dollar service charge at least depending on the shop. Yeah. So now, you know, we're 400 down and, and you still got a saddle and a seat saddle, post and right. yeah, all this other stuff. Um, so now we're inching closer to that bike. That was a thousand dollars more, but was a better fit to begin with mm -hmm. and will fit your needs more going forward in the future. So, um, I think that's really like a really important thing to think about. Um, kind of when you're looking at, you know, the cost of a bike and not getting that fit blindness and, um, so when it comes to a used bike, it's really a case of keeping an open mind and not really attaching to as hard as that can be. Cause I know right. exactly what happens that you see right. something you've oh, already yeah. seen, you've already seen your ex favorite pro, you know, your, your favorite pro X, Y, Z athlete, uh, riding it and crushing Kona on it. And so you're right. like, Oh, I, I'm super invested emotionally in this bike. Yeah. And then you're, and, and, you know, so, and certain brands definitely do a better job of their marketing than others. And they really speak, they really know how to speak and reach yep. to reach, speak to and reach those athletes. Right. Um, so I think that happens a lot, but I think what I'm hearing you say here is like, keep a super open mind Yeah. when, when you're, when you're, when you're deciding to, when you're going to take the used path, used bike fit path, then sorry, buying the used bike path then. Yeah. Um, yeah. Cause, cause yeah, not only are you, you know, you have that emotional tie to the pro or the time or the course. But now you've got this other variable of scream and deal, you know, yeah. like, like, oh, this one's a thousand dollars less, you know, like, <laughs> I can deal with a bad fit for a thousand dollars less. And it's like, okay, maybe, maybe you can, but you may end up spending more to even get it remotely comfortable or mm -hmm. it may injure you so bad you can't race your Ironman. And that entry fee was almost a thousand dollars. And yeah, yeah. So I really caution people. Um, a lot of the questions the guy had this weekend weren't centered around the fit, which mm. I think was kind of like, Hey, everyone's like, Hey, make sure you're really thinking about the fit. Like that's number mm. one. Um, and, and it was an interesting list that he brought up because some of the bikes looked good on the outside, but then mm -hmm. there were some funny things in, on the inside that you only would know if you had used the bikes. Um, and again, that's, that's where a fitter can come in handy too. You know, they're going to say, well, yeah. 
like that that p that Cervelo p5 from 2016 like that had these gnarly hydraulic disc brake uh lines yeah. or not yeah. disc brake rim brake lines and oh man like that's so hard to change and if you know if you need different arrow bars or whatever so um yeah so that's it's very and a lot of people are buying used now obviously yes uh, yeah with the lack of inventory all the shortage of in inventory and in yeah. in the new and the downturn in the economy and um just it's easier now to buy used bikes than it ever was before mm -hmm. um but you don't want to leave the basics of getting that pre-fit that pre-fit behind um yeah and a lot of fitters too like they offer that pre-fit service and then they'll say look you know let's say it's 200 dollars, and their regular bike fit service charges 200 dollars also but you know when you get the bike in they've already got your numbers so you yeah. bring the bike to them and there'll probably be an adjustment charge. Like I, I'm sure it's 50 bucks, hundred bucks, but it's not going to be the full pop. Mm -hmm. So, you know, it, it, people are like, Oh, I don't want to do a prefit. Like that sounds like I'm throwing money away. Well, it's not in many cases because the fitter understands you know, economics of pricing things. So they're going to say, well, yeah, it might be a little more over the, the, the purchase process, but it's not throwing away money because now you've got these numbers, right? And you can use these numbers <laughs> for not only the bike you're buying, but for the road bike you have, for the gravel bike you might get, and we tweak them a little bit, but yeah, um, but that stuff you can just, you know, that's like money in the bank. Totally, and you're also you've also got that peace of mind too that you're going to walk away from that prefit with a list of brands that you know work for you, and yes. it's probably going to be a short list too, maybe yeah. like you said, like a four or five, four or five brands that um, that yeah are probably Absolutely. your ideal bike brands. Which how cool is that? Right. Yeah, like that takes. That takes that cuts out a lot of the work of buying the right bike. Right, and it's stressful buying a bike. You never know if you got the right one until you've ridden it a lot, and um, and then too, I mean, on the on the flip side with the used bikes, I mean, you bring the guy or girl, the fitter, five bikes, and they're going to be like, these two, don't buy them, don't yeah. buy them, and now yeah. you know, or they might say, don't buy any of these, wait, you know, and you know, you saved thousands of dollars, really. Um, mm -hmm. So yeah, that's that's kind of the big, the big thing when it comes to purchasing bikes. Um, yeah. But yeah. And then when we so when we were chatting to Ivan earlier, like one of the uh, obviously big points he was talking about was the importance of contact points when it comes to mm -hmm. bike fit, and uh, it doesn't get more important really than uh, saddles when it mm. comes to contact points. Yeah. Um, cause there, I mean, that can be the source of the greatest, uh, discomfort if you get it wrong. Yeah. So, um, maybe let's jump ahead to talking a little bit about saddles and uh, some of your experience with, with buying. Yeah. Or maybe I'd be interested to hear your recommendations, what you use, um, recommendations for buying the right saddle for you. Yeah. So, uh, I'm sure I haven't talked about this, but you know, a lot of the big thing about saddles is not just necessarily the, the pain in your butt. Um, but it can also be, you know, the pain in your hips, the pain in your yeah. sciatica, the pain in your glutes, yeah. you know, um, well, and the movement, the movement it creates, you know, the fore and aft movement it creates, if you're yeah. not quite positioned on it, right. The movement back. Yeah. Yep. All that it has stuff. such a knock on impact to yeah. the whole fit and position. And I know just from personal experience, like I, I use probably the wrong saddle for the majority of my pro career. And I think Ouch. because we ride so much, you know, you and I probably rode so much that you do adapt, you know, your underparts adapt to it. You know, mm -hmm. it's not like screaming pain all the time, mm -hmm. but part of adapting to it is sometimes holding yourself over the saddle. You know, yeah. like you learn to, you know, you're always in this tension, you know, to prevent yourself from hurting. 
Mm-hmm. Um, so my, my problems with saddle actually manifested themselves in hamstrings and, yeah. um, you know, like loss of power because I'm yeah. holding myself above the saddle when I should just yeah. be melted onto it. You should be relaxing. My legs. Yeah. 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 Um, so, you know, I am not the person I ask if I could get the right saddle. I can tell you from experience <laughs> the wrong one can do, but it is important to say the wrong one can do odd things to you aside from just my butt hurts. Yes, it's obviously it's often this is the case with many injuries and the whole like kinetic chain, but mm-hmm. like the it's often not the the point of soreness where the worst where the worst symptoms show up. It's right. somewhere down somewhere up or down the chain that uh, that Im- that impacts it. And I think with bike fit, it can be it can play out with uh, like shoulders and neck yeah. um, or hips, and like you say, anything from the yeah. hips below, like hammies, um, ITB knees. Yeah. Um, so. Yeah. Yeah. But I I would say like looking back and and they didn't have this when I was racing and it's stupid because I probably had access to this, but I didn't use it is the ability to kind of try lots of saddles out. Yeah. I think that's, that comes over with Ivan. That was like one thing that he really was pushed, like not pushing, but talking of is like, Hey, you don't just have to suffer on the one saddle that came with your bike, Mm -mm. like switch it out, figure it out, like work it, you know, work, figure out what works for you. So like that to me is like when people are like, what saddle do you like? What saddle should you get? Um, you know, it's silly for me to say, oh, this one, because, you know, A, I couldn't tell just by staring at your butt and I'm not going to, <laughs> right? Like, <laughs> like that's not going to happen. Going to um, get yourself in hot water fast there, Chris. Right, right exactly. I'm just doing a, fa- a saddle check. That's fine. It's fine, <laughs> sir. <laughs> um, but, but I would say gravitate towards the brand's who allow you to try um, and send it back, Mm -hmm. try before you buy. Uh, This is one of those times where having a shop that's good matters. If there's, if you're, if a shop, if there's a try shop an hour and a half away from you who has 10 demo saddles that they'll let you sit on and use for an hour ride or whatever. And that's not uncommon. You know, Mm -hmm. that's not the craziest thing. Um, That's worth an hour and a half. For yeah, sure. Just just do it and um, they'll, they'll help you. They'll tell you where to sit on it, you know, because mm-hmm. that's important to you. Some of us don't even very, know where to sit on the saddle. Very important. Um, so I know just off the top of my head, uh, Cobb, uh, mm-hmm. they do a, you know, like a try and send back if you don't like mm-hmm. it thing. Um, uh, I, ISM is very popular. I mean, that's a brand that, that works for many people. That's probably the best recommendation. Yes. I will raise my hand here and say that I wrote those for many, many years. Yeah. In fact, once I just, in fact, once I, again, this is not an ad for ISM, but once I discovered them, I was just like, whew, yeah. holy cow. Yes. And I've only ever ridden ISM since. Yeah. In fact, yesterday I rode a test bike, a gravel, a gravel bike without an ISM saddle on and like an hour and a half into the ride, I was kind of like, oh yeah, now I know why I always ride ISM yeah. saddles. It was <laughs> a great- time to swap spell. it out. <laughs> right, right. <laughs> Who was being lazy. Exactly. Oh, I do the yeah. same thing. Um, but yeah, so those are, those are two of the, like the most popular and and best recommendations I could give either one. I I don't know off the top of my head if ISM has a try and send back. I feel like they don't. Um, but I know for sure Cobb does. Yeah. Um, and you know, I, I I also say this knowing that Cobb saddles are not cheap, you know, they're upwards of 200 bucks. Um, but you know, they're building in that price price of the ones they don't sell the price yeah. of the ones that they demo out to people and get back and then can't sell or sell it at a yeah. discount. Yeah. So, you know, that's part of it. It's, it's still better than buying three saddles full pop and yeah. then just having them sit in your garage or whatever. 
Yeah, I'll actually so. create a little list in the. Uh, I'll do a little bit of background research and create a little list in the show notes of saddles that saddle brands that do do that because I think yeah. that'd be interesting. Um, Super important. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So that's my best advice for saddles. Yeah, yeah. De- definitely don't just suffer it. I think. No. Um, and it was interesting. Uh, Ivan said it's he, he finds it's usually female athletes that just suffer. And they think they're supposed. They usually they usually think they're supposed to have a saddle that doesn't work or is uncomfortable. So um, uh. yeah. Um, but the other contact point is obviously the other major contact point that's of significance when it comes to bike fit is obviously aero bars. Mm-hmm. Yeah, um, aero bars are huge. Um, I mean, saddle is definitely number one, and then there would be like three gaps of nothing, mm-hmm. and then you know, aero bars are fourth, but yeah, um, they're still up there. Uh, the good news about aero bars is uh, about 10 years ago, maybe two brands were making them adjustable. Mm-hmm. Uh, two of like five major ones. Um, now they're almost all incredibly adjustable because fortunately um, customers or, you know, people voted with their wallets and says, you know, said, okay, this, this arrow bar set is 200 grams, but it's completely unadjustable. I'm like, well, I don't <laughs> want it. I, mm-hmm. I'd rather have the 280 gram one that has, you know, multiple widths and heights and um and all that stuff so so actually whereas we used to be like you know just go with profile that was always mm-hmm. kind of the our go-to um because they were always ahead on adjustability yep. um you know you buy a pair of aero profile aero bars and you get you know half pound of aero bars two pounds of this like stuff you know like yeah. you know you know that bag of like the, the nuts what, and bolts bag yeah, like, what is all this crap and in the back of your mind, like, I just want to throw this away. Like, why do they give me all this garbage? You just want to get your new aero bars on your bike. And like, what is it? It's all mixed together. And, um, but, but that stuff's super important. I mean, it's, it's, it's again, what, what you're paying for is, uh, you know, the options, the flexibility, the adjustability. So don't throw that stuff away. That is your adjustability in, in a bag right there. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I mean, you used to have to go to a bike shop to get all that stuff. And now they send it yeah. with. Yeah. Um, you know, each purchase. So um, the profile is still a strong choice um, yeah. because they've been doing it so long because they're comfortable with, you know, sending all those bolts out. They know mm-hmm. their fitments work really well. Um, they all attach well. They don't come, mm-hmm. you know, unscrewed and stuff like that. Um, uh, Zip does a good job with theirs. Um, they can be expensive. I think Yeah. kind of that's the the trade away or trade off. Um, we've We've had good reviews from our reviews with Envy's bars. Yes. Um, yep. Written and we're talking about, you know, mostly aftermarket stuff, yep. uh, which is, you know, like I said, it's a tough swap um, to get aftermarket aero bars because it is a big, a big chore. Um, but yeah, so those are kind of the big brands. I mean, just, I know Ivan talked about this. A lot of those super bikes come with um, not so adjustable aero bars. Mm-hmm. Um, and in, in some cases, like you may even want to go backwards. Like, oh, these extensions are so beautiful. They came on my $10,000 Superbike. Yeah, but you might want extensions that, you know, are aluminum or have a different shape and you're taking those beautiful things off. Can you take them off? Can you get, you know, can you put something else there instead? Right. And sometimes the answer is no on some of those super right. top end bikes. Yes. Yeah. yeah. And I think they're getting wiser now. I think three to five years ago, the um it was okay to have proprietary stuff and Mm -hmm. and i think some people thought that was really cool and slick but i think again especially you know mechanics and probably reviewers more than anyone else has said Mm -hmm. look 
it's got to be swappable. It's got to be yeah. universal fit, at least at certain points, at least at the extensions, um, maybe the pads, base bars, eh, you know, that's not a huge deal. Mm-hmm. Um, so you still see a lot of integrated base bars, but yeah, um, but yeah, the, that those are uh, those are pretty important too. And then one of the age-old questions we are always getting, and I'm always hearing, and you always do a great job of answering. No, no pressure, just setting yeah, you up here. But, <laughs> but the tri bike, the tri bike versus the road bike, and uh, putting putting bars on a road bike versus you know maybe somebody who's relatively new into the sport, they have a road bike, they want to put aero bars onto the road bike instead of investing in a tri bike or red. Uh, you know, so yeah, they're still they're still sussing out the sport. Um, when it comes to putting on bar putting bars on on a road bike, where give us your uh, give us your two cents on that. Yeah. So the number one thing I hear people ask about that, and people have a misconception. Well, first of all, it is okay to put tri bars or aero bars on a road bike. I want to put that out there. Like any <laughs> anyone who thumbs their nose at that already has a tri bike. Okay. Yes. He's already yes. spent the money. So they're speaking yes. from a position of power in a way, <laughs> right? <laughs> they're just like, oh yeah, you've got to have a tri-bike. Otherwise, how are they going to justify buying a tri-bike? Um, Very true. Oh, yeah, the psychology so, of buying, huh? All right. Um, so first of all, it's okay. Uh, we saw Taylor Nib do just yes. fine on it last year. Yes. Um, how, how cool was that? Like, I mean, I know Ivan and I already touched on this in this show, but it was... Yeah. That was a very good reminder for everybody yeah. who thinks that you can only ride a tri bike that you can actually achieve. You, you don't have well. to be Taylor Nib to do that. I mean, right. obviously she is a phenomenal talent, yeah. blessed with some great genetics and a great training and work ethic. But um, I think that was great proof that you can yeah. take a yeah. road bike and make it work for you with with the right bars. And I think I think that the big takeaway for me was it was the right time for her to be riding. And mm. a road bike with aero bars mm-hmm. next year or this year we may see her on a tri bike because she oh, yes. solved her position yeah um but she you know could she have been faster with a tri bike maybe but maybe spending all those hours in a brand new tri bike with a you know a position that she's not suited to because she came from you know she didn't come from a cycling background mm-hmm. you know could have led to injury so yeah. who knows how fast taylor would have gone if she didn't make it to the start line because yeah. She had a sciatic issue or, you know, yeah. she's young. She wouldn't have that stuff, but this is all old people talk. But, um, <laughs> yeah, so she, so that was the right bike for her at that time. And I think that's yeah. what everyone needs to understand. Like there's a time yeah. and a place for each bike. So yeah. a road bike, long, long point made. Uh, first of all, a road bike is fine with aero bars. Um, second, we hear, I get a lot of people say, okay, I, I want to put aero bars on my road bike. I need to go with ITU legal bars, correct? No, 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 no. So mm-hmm. the reason um, you see these shorty bars on ITU bikes, you know, we emulate these pros. You know, mm-hmm. we, we try to do everything like them. But the reason they do that is because they're in a draft pack. Yes. And there are crashes in that draft pack. Yeah. And if you crash your bike and you have this unicorn arrow bar sticking off the front that's open-ended, someone's <laughs> going to get really hurt. Right. Yes. Uh, Nobody wants to have an altercation with a unicorn. Right. Right. So, so they say, okay, well, the bars have to uh, stay behind the the hoods of the drop, mm-hmm. you know, so you could put a board across. Yeah. Know, technically. Yep. Um, and they have to be closed, so no one gets speared by them. Um, and that's it. That that's the reason they all look like that. Yeah. Like if they had, like if the Brownleys had their druthers, they'd have these. They probably have super long arrow bars stretching them way sure. out. Um, I mean, knowing those guys, they probably put knives on the end of them, but 
but you know, that's another, <laughs> another story. That's another podcast. Another podcast. Yeah. Um, so that's why they do that. Like it, it, they're not doing that because that is the best fit for them. They're doing that yeah. to, um, to follow a rule, a safety yes. rule that yeah. I want to say 99.9% .9 of our listeners will never have to deal with because totally. most age groupers don't do draft legal racing. Yeah. Um, so you could, so in theory, then you could, if you wanted to race like, like Taylor Nib, you could mm -hmm. race 70.3 on a road bike and have longer extensions. Absolutely. And, and I would recommend it because yeah. now you're saying, okay, I want my extensions to be, uh, to be based on my fit. Like, you know, mm -hmm. we've been talking about this whole time. Um, sometimes that does involve bringing the arrow bars in because mm -hmm. of the way the road bike is, because typically a road bike has a uh, shallower angle. So the seat is further behind the bottom mm -hmm. bracket without yep. getting too far yep. into the weeds on it. Um, so, so you are technically further back yep. on that bike. So you need yep. to bring everything back. Yep. Um, and that's just kind of a coincidence thing. Again, it has nothing to do with those rules. Mm -hmm. um, but so you need to make sure you have, you buy a pair of arrow bars that allows you to draw them back um, yes. further than you probably would on a tri bike. Mm -hmm. And not all bars do that, and not all bars do that well. Mm -hmm. um, you're typically going to have to cut those at the back um, yep. because you run into knee clearance issues when you're climbing. Yes, yeah, um, that's huge. So just make sure you're taking that into account. Okay, I'm going to get these, you know, two hundred dollar carbon arrow bars. I'm going to have to cut them real short so my knees don't hit them. Mm -hmm. Just be aware of the fact that if you buy a new tri bike, those bars might not work for that bike. Like it's yeah. it's it's actually yes. pretty unlikely that they will. Yeah. Um, so yeah, we, you're, you're making quite a specific purchase there, I think, if you're right, right. buying bars for a road bike. And and it's fine. I mean, $200 is still cheaper than $4,000. Um, but just be realistic about the fact, you know, okay, I'm going to get these for my year or two years that I use the road bike with arrow bars. Um, also be realistic about the unique fit uh, adjustments you'll have to make with that. I mm -hmm. mean, again, a fitter is going to help you there, even though it seems like, oh, I just slap them on and it's fine. It's, you know, it's a bike, it's a bike. Mm -hmm. um, but, uh, but in that case, actually, sometimes the fitter is even more important because you're, you're, you're changing the dynamics of your bike, um, mm -hmm. quite a bit. Um, I don't want to go way too into it, but it'll change the handling, yeah. um, you know, cause road bikes handle differently. They're not made to put that much weight on the front. Um, it will stretch you out across the bike, like I said, because the seat is typically further back above the bottom bracket. So there are some, some tricky things to, to take into account. Mm -hmm. um, and again, a fitter is going to know that better than I would. I mean, I've just, I've just touched on a few big points, but there's mm -hmm. way more to it than that. Yeah. Um, so, so do it for sure. Um, I think it's great. I think it's a great solution, but just, you know, be cautious and be realistic about what you're doing. Yeah. I think that's good advice. You know, especially for those people, like we said, who are just coming into this or just coming yeah. into the sport or still figuring out, still experimenting. Um, Yeah. Some good, good advice. Okay, let's close out with a, a question where I put you on the spot, as I yes. love to do. Oh, yeah. What's your, what's been your, uh, your biggest bike fit mistake you've made over the course of your uh, triathlon career? Oh, um, I mean, I, I was super guilty of the way too small frame. Oh, and it was totally looking back a vanity thing, like because you back in the, I mean, you'd see these these road guys, especially on, they'd say, oh, I want the tight frame so I can handle it real well you know like, yep. i just want to be, be all, be all over that there. bike yeah i'm just like I'm, yeah that thing is tiny under me i'm cutting like a you know <laughs> like a ninja um and so i was like yeah i want to do that too and i want this tight little like you know shriveled position 
on the bike. <laughs> and I raced short course, so I, I got away with it more or less. But um, but honestly, my run probably suffered more than my bike ever did. Yeah, I think it was hips. Yeah, and I never put it together that, you know, I would have like extreme hamstring cramping and mm. big problems with my hips. And I'm like, I guess I need to run more or I guess my nutrition's off when it was the stupid small vanity frame purchase or not purchase, but, you know, choice. Interesting. Yeah. Interesting. So, huh. Best way to okay. learn is by failing. <laughs> Isn't that to the truth? <laughs> <laughs> cool, cool. Thank you very much, Mr. Guru. It's a pleasure yeah. as always. Thank and you, we'll see you next time. Cheers. Thanks. Bye. Okay, so hopefully now you're a little more in the know when it comes to bike fitting and you know what to look for in a good fit and from a great fitter. Thank you for joining us on this month's Fitter and Faster. And if you haven't already, please subscribe to Fitter and Faster by Triathlete wherever you listen to your pods. And if you've enjoyed the show, please feel free to rate and review us. It helps us out and it helps others like you to find us. We'll be back next month, but until then, happy training!